Thank you for joining us for another lesson from God's Word. Anytime you're in Huntsville, we hope you'll come be part of our worship. The West Huntsville Church of Christ at Providence is located at 1519 Old Monrovia Road Northwest, Huntsville, Alabama, 35806. We hope you'll enjoy this lesson brought to us by Glenn Colley. The scripture reading before the lesson will be Ephesians 1, 18-23. And I'll be reading from the New King James. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet, and he gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. You may be seated. Our lesson this morning is going to come from the book of Ephesians. And so if you'll open up to chapter 1 and leave that on your lap, you'll be able to follow along. This sermon is going to go through the book of Ephesians, each chapter, and you'll need something to write with so that you can make some notation or underlining of these five things we're going to see through the book. We ate the Lord's Supper a few minutes ago. You're in a place now, this morning, where people love Jesus. And the scripture seems to indicate that the centerpiece of our worship on the Lord's Day is the eating of the Lord's Supper. We take time for it. I believe that what we're going to talk about this morning is going to enhance the way that you eat the Lord's Supper. I know that it did that for me this morning because this sermon's on my mind. These passages are on my mind. I want to examine a phrase. Now, what... what uh, by what descriptions do you think about heaven? Well, you have a number of them. You have, for example, John chapter 14 and verse 1 in the Bible. is Jesus saying that I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself. Where I am there you may be also. Heaven's described as a place two different times in that passage. Hebrews chapter 12, it's a city. You've come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. Heaven's described as a city. Go down to Hebrews chapter 11, 13 through 16, and... It's described as a country. They desire a better country where God is not ashamed to be called their God. And all these things are, of course, applicable. But I want to introduce you to another one. And this one starts in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 23. And that will be our first one on our list of five. And the word in the English is heavenly. The word places comes after that, heavenly places. But the places is italicized because it's supplied by the translator. Sometimes the translation will be heavenly realms or sometimes just the heavenlies. And as a matter of fact, that last one's probably the most accurate, even though it's still kind of difficult. I want to talk about the heavenly places today. Now, here's the Greek definition. And as I'm going to read some of this, but as we do, I want you to appreciate that it's rather broad. It's not just about the dwelling place of God, heaven, the dwelling place of God. It's broader than that. Above the sky. Well, that's very, very general. 
existing in heaven, things that take place in heaven, the heavenly regions, heaven itself, the abode of, the, of God and the angels, the lower heavens of the stars, the heavens, I don't think that comma should be there, the heavens of the clouds. So it's very, very broad. It means up. You know, he wouldn't lift so much as his face unto heaven, but smote upon his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Heaven is up. But the heavenly places, the heavenly places is what I want to talk about today. As I was studying this, and I studied it because I didn't like how little I understood it. And that's a blessing of being a preacher is that I get the time to do this. I spent a lot of time on this this week. The heavenly places. What does it mean? What's the significance? And I found something that I think is very important, and I want to do it this way this morning and show it to you. And that is you have five occasions in the book of Ephesians where this is found. Now, in the New Testament, you have this word found 20 times. Five of them are at Ephesians. And when you start out, it's what you, you, you um, ever have things, I know that you do, if you have small children or you had small children, concepts or things that you didn't tell them when they were really little, you want to give them time to, to mature some, to be ready for this. Or maybe you had some strong piece of information to tell them, but you, you came about it gradually, a little bit, a little bit more, a little bit more, because you just knew they weren't ready to handle this. That's what you've got about this, this place called the heavenly places or the heavenly realm. That's what Paul is going to do in Ephesians. So let's get into it. Let's start with chapter 1 and verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now there's the phrase, in the heavenly places. In this case, it obviously means, well, heaven. It means God's dwelling place. And it's simply saying that when you think about where God is, I want you to put him right here. He is in the heavenly places, all right? He's in the realm beyond our ability to see. And it's from there that he dispenses the spiritual blessings. Now, Revelation chapter 6 says, talks about the throne of God. Or chapter 3, rather, in verse 20. The throne of God. Can you picture that? It's this place from which the blessings of God, the spiritual blessings are brought to you. And what are they? In my Bible, I've underlined several, a half a dozen or so. Just walk down through this with me. And, and you might want to underline these for this reason. It's, did you ever, you ever uh, sit down at the table and have the prayer for the food and you have a three-year-old to offer that prayer? That's well, a pretty interesting experience. I've, I've done it a few times lately. And, and what he or she will do is to, is to look around the table and thank God for the peas and the corn and the bread. And then, then the people get in there. So, Mama and daddy and sister and brother and, and just go over. And so everything's like that. Well, when he talks about spiritual blessings in chapter 1, verse 3, then he gives you some examples of what those are. These are not physical blessings. Physical blessings like the rain and the sun and the air that you breathe. Those are wonderful. God, thank God for them. But that's not what he's talking about. Spiritual blessings, and they come from the heavenly places. So just walk down through some of these examples with me. Verse 4, he's chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. That is to say, before the foundation of the world, he decided that people would be saved through Christ Jesus. And the ones who go to heaven would be those people who came to Christ and walked with Christ. Verse 6, 
He's made us to be accepted in the beloved. Seven, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Where's that spiritual blessing comes from? Come from? Comes from the heavenly places. Nine, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure. It's not that he pushes back against this. He has a joy in this, revealing the truth to us, and he purposed in himself. Eleven, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. If you go to First Peter chapter 1, he's going to call that inheritance heaven. We have an inheritance. You are part of the family in Christ. Thirteen, the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Eighteen, the hope of his calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? Spiritual blessings. One more, nineteen, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Where do those come from? Spiritual blessings come from God. That's where God is. Where is that? In heavenly places. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sin that repents, or one sinner that repents. There's a place beyond our ability to see. It's the dwelling place of God. It's the throne place of God. And it's in the heavenly places. The, the place that is above the clouds beyond our ability to see. Now, this one's really elementary. It's going to get harder. But this one is, is simple and easy, and it's the place from which we start. He would hit us in the Ephesian brethren with chapter 6. That's going to be the hard one, because when we get to chapter 6, what we're going to be is horrified about the heavenly places. We're going to be horrified. But he didn't start there. I mean, you have you have... There are examples in the New Testament about the writers who would want to encourage people to hold on to their faith. Don't turn loose of your faith. And that he would appeal to them, or the writers would appeal to them in various ways. First Peter chapter 1, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found under praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. Don't give up your faith. Don't give up your faith. But he started by saying, let me tell you about heaven. It is incorruptible and undefiled that fades not away. What's he doing? Don't give He's appealing to them. Hold on to your faith because heaven's out there. But Jude 22 and 23 says, some with compassion making a difference, others safe with fear pulling them out of the fire. And Paul's going to do that in Ephesians. He's going to do it with this, this, this phraseology in heavenly places. But he's got to prepare us for it because, or the Ephesians, he, I think he was being compassionate. He didn't hit him with chapter 6. That's the last, that's the end of the letter. He starts out with the first one that we've just examined, chapter 1, verse 3. Let me tell you about the spiritual, the heavenly places. Heavenly places is where the throne of God is. That's where God dwells. And it's from here that God gives us these wonderful spiritual blessings. And then he enumerates some. Now, here's the second one. It's in chapter 1 also. We want to drop down to verse 18. Read with me. The eyes of your understanding be, being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his right hand, are you ready? In the heavenly places. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. 
raised him from the dead, and he set him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So number two is, the heavenly places are where Jesus reigns supremely. And this says he raised him up from the dead and he put him at his right hand. Now what that means is that now Jesus is there at the right hand of God in heaven. Obviously this has to do with God's dwelling place. And that, that Jesus shares in the rule and the reign and the authority right there at the throne of God. But it's not just that. This one introduces us to something else. Now this is going to be important. It's kind of a building block thing in verse 21. And that Jesus is far above. You're going to want to underline those two words. He's far above all principality. Now that has to do with authority and power. That has to do with with strength and authority and sort of a a pecking order. And, And there is a ranking system in heaven, in this heavenly place, far above all principality and power and might and dominion, and every name that is named. Do you remember 2 Kings chapter 6 and, and Elisha is in big trouble because the, the king of the Syrians has found out that everything he plants militarily, Elisha already knows it. As the Bible says, a servant said to Elisha, now Elisha said to the king of Syria, Elisha knows what you say in your bedroom. The king said, we're going for Elisha, find out where he is. Well, he's in Dothan. And so the Syrian army encircles Dothan. Because they're going to kill Elisha. Elisha's servant looks out and he sees all of these horses and all of these soldiers. And he says, Elisha, we're in big trouble now. What are we going to do? And Elisha says, he prayed to God. And he said, show him, God. Let him open his eyes. Let him see. And on the mountains around them were horses and chariots of fire. Elisha says, Those that are for us are greater than them. See, they were there all along. And what what you have here in this description of Jesus is that he's far above all principalities and powers. Now, there's a realm beyond our ability to see, and I don't know everything about it. I wish I knew more about it. One day my eyes will be open to it. But I know what the Scripture says. And what you've got here in the heavenly places is a ranking among the angels, among the angelic creation. And they exist. And he's far above all of them. And here, there's a ranking order. Principalities and powers and rulers and might and dominion. 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 22. Can you throw that up for me? Jesus Christ who's gone into heaven is the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been, subject, being subjected to him. That's it. See, that's it. And when you ate the Lord's Supper this morning, you weren't just... You weren't just remembering the death of a meek and gentle servant, though that he is. But when you talk about Jesus being from heaven, I'm telling you that he's, he's this. I'm telling you that he is far above all principality and power. Where? In the heavenly places. The place that we've never been. The place that we haven't seen. Only bits and pieces of descriptions. But it's a place where there's ranking and there is, there's authority among different ones. And he's far above all of those. Matthew 28 and 18, you're familiar with. All authority has been given unto me, you remember? In heaven and upon earth. So go therefore and teach all nations. What, you, what, what is, wait a minute. He, he's got authority in heaven and in earth? Right. That's right. And that's what this is describing. So now you have the next step. The first one is in chapter 1, verse 3, about 
heavenly places. And it says, let me tell you, that's where God is. And, and your blessings, your spiritual blessings are dispensed from God from that place. Now we get to this one. And this one says, and that's where Jesus is seated on the right hand of God. And, and by the way, he's far above all principalities and powers. Now here's the third one. Drop down with me now to chapter 2 and verse 4. This is about the church. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved, or have you been saved? He's raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So, here's the church. And he raised us up together and made us sit together in those places in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3 and 1. Now, you, you, you understand about being in Christ. Next slide. So, if you were raised with Christ or risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. When was I raised with Christ? Romans chapter 6 says, it was when I was baptized. And I came up out of the water to walk in newness of life. I'm, that was in a, an illustration of the resurrection of Jesus. He's raised us up together, verse 6 says, and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, in Acts chapter 1, you have Jesus going back to the Father. And, and when he got there, while well, he was sitting at the right hand of God, that's Acts chapter 1. But you get to Acts chapter 2, there's the birth of the church. 3,000 people become Christians. And the Bible says he added them to his kingdom, his church there. He forgave them of their sins. And I would suggest to you that but that's the meaning of this, that we sit together with him. I'm not in God's dwelling place yet. I'm not there yet, but the, the church is the vestibule or the annex of heaven. Essentially, what we do in the church is what we're going to do in heaven. And this was created in heaven, given to us in heaven. And the Bible says here that he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. All right, number four. Now we're building... It's where God dwells. It's where Jesus is at the right hand of God. It is where the church begins, and the church is the annex of heaven. And now we get to the fourth one. This is about angels. It's the where angels live and they wonder. Verse 8, I'm chapter 3, verse 8. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. And he says, the Ephesian letter was written to the Ephesians and they're Gentiles. And it's a really a wonderful thing that people who are Gentiles can be Christians. You say, yeah, but I'm a Jew and I, I think I should have preferential treatment in the church. Nope, sorry. Nope, that's not, that's not how it is. And that was a mystery for a long time. The Israelites were the people of God, the chosen people of God. But that wasn't intended to be permanent. That was a mystery at that time, but it's not a mystery anymore. Now it gets interesting. He says, verse 8, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all people see what is the fellowship of the ministry, the mystery. The fellowship is that the Jews and Gentiles could be together. It was a mystery at one time, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. It was hidden in God that there was going to be a time when all people, all nations would come into one, and that would be the church. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we, the Gentiles, 
have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. He's talking to Gentiles. And he says, in these heavenly places, the principalities and powers were informed about this, the revelation of this mystery, and they were informed by the church. Now don't, don't you, don't you get tripped up on that? Don't you get shocked by that? I'm convinced that the, we're talking about God's dwelling place here, right? And the, the, the principalities and powers here have to do, has to do with the angels, the angelic creation. And they wonder, now don't you be surprised that they wonder, because we've got passages like 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 10. Throw that up for me. 1 Peter 1, 10. The salvation of the prophets have inquired, and they've searched carefully, who prophesied of the grace that would come to you. Drop down to the bottom. These things which the angels desire to look into. They, 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 they love you. They love the church. They love Jesus Christ. They're fascinated by all of this. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 14 says the angels are right now, they're ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who inherit salvation. That's the church. I don't know all that that means. I, I just know that's what it says. See, here's the angelic creation, the righteous angels. Where are they? They are in the heavenly places. And they learn the mystery by watching the church. And now there's united. There's the Jew and Gentile united. And we have boldness. Gentiles have boldness and access with confidence by faith in him. All right. Now watch because we're getting to the, the last one. I believe all of this was building toward this last one, which is in chapter 6. The fifth one. Example of the heavenly places. So the first one is it's where, where God dwells and he dispenses the spiritual blessings and we say oh that's nice and that gives me happiness and warmth and i'm and gives me gratitude toward him and then he says and it's where jesus sits on the right hand of god and i say well that's wonderful yeah but but get this he says now he's far above all principalities and powers and i say well i, I didn't know there were rankings and superiors and a, a ranking system and and authorities and all of that oh yes yes that's true doesn't tell me much about it, but he's, he's over them. And the angelic creation has apparently a ranking system. And, and Jesus is over that. So I learned that in that second one. And the third one says, and by the way now, church is the annex of heaven. And it is therefore part of the heavenly realm. Oh, that's, it's very comforting to me. I want to be part of the church. I want to be part of the body of Christ. And the fourth one he says, and by the way, they're the angels. And the heavenly places are where the angels dwell. And, and then, he, then he references principalities and powers again. And that they've learned a lot by watching the church. So anyway, you got, you got this preparatory work to get you. And you, you. All these things you come up with and you say, well, that's fascinating and that's really interesting. And, and it gives me great comfort and I want to be a Christian. Yes, you do. But here's number five in chapter six. I want to start with verse 10. Because it's your greatest enemy. It is, and it is, it is overwhelming. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. He's ending the letter to the Ephesians. Put on the whole armor of God that you may, may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And so we, we get that and we preach a lot about that. But now here's verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. He's not saying that you don't have 
problem with people promoting sin in this world. He's not saying that you don't have a problem with your own mind and thought processes and bringing them into, into sync with what Christ teaches us. He's just saying there's something much bigger behind all of this. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not the big, it's the big thing is this, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. It says it's in the heavenly places, and it teaches me a couple of things. First, that the heavenly places, and this is where we started with the definition, isn't just about God's dwelling place. It's much broader than that. And this just jumps out and shouts it. Because these, these authorities, this ranking system, is also applicable to a, to a world that belongs to Satan. And when you get from chapter 1 and it says he's far above principalities and powers, it includes this. Now you just let that soak in. Here are the definitions of the words. Principalities. Principalities. It's found 58 times and often translated beginning, origin, the person or thing that commences first person or thing in a series, a leader, extremity, and then I underline this because I want you to see it. <coughs> the first place, principality, rule, magistracy of angels and demons. Now you've got to put that, that dark twist to it because that's what he's talking about here. The rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and powers. Here's the definition of Powers. The power of, of authority and of right, the power of rule of government, most often translated power, it is jurisdiction, authority, right. In this case, it's talking about wicked powers, principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness. Now, here's what you've got on this one. Next slide. The rulers. And the last part of that definition, this is epithet of Satan. Lord of the world, prince of this age, the devil and his demons. Got it? Against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly places. And then he says, you take up the whole armor of God. Now, there's kind of an academic side to this, where you say, wow, isn't that an interesting phrase? The heavenly places, the heavenly realms, the heavenly. Isn't that interesting? But there's something much deeper here. It's in, it's in the, the, the way that Paul teaches this to the Ephesians. As I said, he builds up with each one. You don't start out being afraid. You don't start out that way. You start out being grateful. And then you say, yeah, well, that's where God is. That's where Christ is. That's where the church is. That's where the angelic creation is. The, the righteous angelic creation. And by the way, chapter 1 says that Jesus has authority, all power. He's Far beyond. It's not like he's one of their rank. It's not like he's even in their ranking system. He's not. He's, he's far above all principalities and powers. But then you get to chapter 6 and he says, and by the way, there, there is evil there too. There is darkness there. The likes of which you've never seen. Let me tell you something right now. I never want to see it. I don't want any part of that. 
I want to go to the heavenly places, but I'm talking about the place where God dwells. Now, when you think about the cross, and you think about the eating of the Lord's Supper like we did this morning, and you, you, you think about Jesus and who he is, that he's the redeemer of my sins, and he went to the cross, and we portrayed that on the screens of our imaginations. The, the cross, and there he is, and, and he allowed them to, to abuse his body and to nail him to that tree. And we love him. But I want you to think about for just a moment that the one on that cross is the one who is far above all principalities and powers. He is the preeminent one. There, all authority is his in heaven and on earth. There is none greater than he. And the very idea that he would come down to this earth and he would, he would subject himself to that cross that is just breathtaking. I'm going to tell you, he loves you. He really loves you and me. And he wants us so much to have forgiveness and go to heaven that he subjected himself to this awful thing. The heavenly places. What is it? Sometimes, and I think an accurate, perhaps the best translation would just be the heavenlies. It's ambiguous, I know, but it's, it's, it just means the realm that is beyond our ability to see. And here are the things that are there that Paul describes to these Gentile Christians because he doesn't want them to leave the faith. You always stick to it. And he uses this to help them do that. When the great Chicago fire happened and was put out finally, 300 people had died. It was an awful thing, conflagration. And and the story is that a man lost his home and and he had a wife and children but their home was destroyed they decided they would move to England just like the Andersons he sent his wife and kids on first on a ship and he said I'll take care of the affairs here you go and set up housekeeping and I'll come soon but that ship went down and they perished the wife and the children and he decided by and by that he would go on to England, and he did, and so he boarded a ship and headed that way. And when, when the ship got to the place where the first ship had gone down, the captain came and told him, maybe he asked him to, I don't know, but he said, this is the, this is the spot. And he stood there and pondered it for a while, and then he went and sat down, and he wrote this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, I like to live like that. That he flipped it over. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. And you serve a Lord who is far above principalities and powers. I only have a small bit of knowledge about that. But I can tell you that that's broad and significant and, and he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. I do not know, I do not know how any of us could, could read these passages and have our own heart's permission to not be Christians. How could you? How could you? You, you, you don't want to go to where I'm talking about in chapter 6. You don't want to go there. I don't know where heaven is. I mean, the dwelling place of God. And you talk about the heavenly realms. I, I, I haven't been. 
I know it's above the clouds. It doesn't matter where it is. It matters who's there. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again and I'll receive you unto myself that where I am, are you ready for this? There you may be also. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. He is my King and my Lord. Now, hold on to your faith. You never want to turn loose of your faith. No matter what. Say it's well with my soul. Because I serve King Jesus. It's well with my soul. I will never leave Him. I'll never forsake Him. We hope you have enjoyed this lesson from God's Word, brought to us by Glenn Colley. If you have comments or questions, Glenn can be reached by email at colley at westhuntsville.org.